Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Mindless minions. Dying daily, taking up your cross. Suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now. Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this June 4th, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelinsky Show. Folks, thank you very much for all the outpouring of support that's come in, the financial contributions, the outpouring of letters and encouragement, and people just saying, you can't go off the air. So I just uh, was really overwhelmed at the response because I had no idea how appreciated I was. So I just want to thank everyone who sent in donations, sent the letters, the emails, the encouragement, and I just want to say I just so appreciate it. I love you guys. I I thank you for this. And balance today is $5,200. So I just want to really thank you for that. And I ask that you continue to support me on a regular basis. People have mentioned something really important to me that I didn't have the PayPal button where it allows you to do a reoccurring monthly payment. It didn't show that option. And so I went in and checked with PayPal, and it turns out that I had to update the code in there, so that should get fixed in the next couple of days for people that do want to do a reoccurring monthly payment, so that'll get fixed in the next 72 hours, and I just want to again thank everyone. And I will continue to bring you the best show on the air when it comes to end-time news, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. And I have prayed for every single person that has sent donations in, and I just thank you again for that. Folks, my guest today is the highly controversial, but always funny and entertaining, who is really not afraid to speak the truth, and he is one of the few men out there with a titanium backbone. My guest is the pastor of the Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. He has put out the After the Tribulation video series that Alex Jones featured, and it has like a gazillion hits. He did as well the New World Order Bible versions. And if you have not got his book of Revelation, folks, I highly recommend you get it. All that information is at framingtheworld.com. I highly recommend these videos. And of course, his newest, his groundbreaking documentary, Marching 
to Zion. It traces the history of the Jewish people from the destruction of the temple in AD 70 to the founding of the modern day nation of Israel. And it really settles once and for all the most controversial questions of all times. Who are God's chosen people? It is my pleasure to have him back on the program. Pastor Stephen Anderson, welcome back. It is a pleasure to have you back on. Thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be here. Now, you did an incredible series on the tribulation called After the Tribulation. And for the new listeners that have not seen that, I highly recommend you get a copy of After the Tribulation. Because of the situation in the North American pulpit, when you first originally did that, and let me just say you're one of the sort of progenitors of really raising awareness about this pre-trib fallacy. And I always used to say the only thing left behind in the Left Behind series was the Bible. So what was your response like when you first did that documentary? The response has been great from Christians, the people in the pew, the church members. You know, a ton of people have changed their view and and rejected the pre-trib rapture. Unfortunately, Amongst pastors, the response has not been as good. A lot of pastors are just really entrenched with this pre-trib position. They don't want to hear about any other options. So the progress with the people has been a lot faster than than the progress with the pastors. You know, a lot of them are just not open to this. I don't I don't really understand why they're so attached to that preacher. I don't know if they just don't want to admit that they preached it wrong for many years. You know, that could have something to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, they preached it wrong. That's kind of a pride spot, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I understand. But, you know, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And sometimes you have to eat crow and admit that you're wrong. Well, after you did the marching to Zion, what was your response like? I know we had talked about there was a lot of local Arizona people that were sort of in uproar. And some people were criticizing it who hadn't even seen the documentary. What's the response been like since it's now got a chance to circulate? Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because most of the attacks on the film were made before anybody had seen the documentary because the documentary wasn't even finished yet. Before we had even finished the movie, there were already three articles by the ADL and an article by the SPLC (laughs) condemning the film, saying that we took these rabbis out of context. And I'm thinking to myself, we haven't even finished the movie. You know, not only have they not seen it, the movie doesn't even exist yet. It hadn't even been finished at that time. But, you know, now that the movie now that the movie's out and now that the movie is on YouTube for the whole world to see. You know, the ADL and the SPLC are not saying a word. They're wow. just, I think it's because the movie is so powerful. They're just ignoring it and wishing that it would go away. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to draw attention to it. This comment that you've, of course, you've taken everything out of context. I mean, I've watched it several times and it's verbatim quotes out of these people's mouths. So I don't know how you can misconstrue what they're saying. Yeah. And, and you know, I, one of these rabbis wrote to me angrily and I even wrote back to him and said, you know, can you tell me what we misconstrued or what we took out of context? And he couldn't list a single thing. He just said, well, you know, I didn't know that the film was going to be negative about Jews. Well, it's like, well, I didn't tell you it was going to be positive or negative. I just said, you know, we're making a movie about this. And, you know, they just assume that it's going to be positive because most evangelical Christians are just so zealous in their, you know, love and worship for Israel that they just assume that because I'm an evangelical Christian, you know, of course I'm going to be praising Israel. The remarkable thing is that Christians are very zealous in their pro-Israel position, but it hasn't been that way through history. Traditionally, Christianity was 
anti-Semitic. John Hagee believes that the Jews are, they're good to go. We don't need to evangelize the Jews. And he emphasizes Israel to the point of idolatry. I mean, he's built an empire sharing the gospel of Israel around the world. And the stunning thing to me was after I had you on the show, I got all these emails, oh, Zelensky, you anti-Semite. And it just went on to the point of, you know, I was actually really shocked that people just, they cling to this zealousness in their pro-Israel position. But it's funny, a lot of these people, in fact, I emailed one guy and I said, have you even watched the show? No, but you're an (laughs) anti-Semite. So, I, I mean, You cannot argue with the history that's presented. At least it gets people questioning the narrative. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the the response from people who've watched the film has been great. You know, pretty much every single person that watched it said that they liked it even better than After the Tribulation. And I mean... The vast majority of people who watch it are are convinced by it. It's you know, it most of the people that are attacking it are just people who haven't even watched it. I mean, it's that simple. Well, and the fascinating thing is that you know, again, you're you're controversial because Jesus was hated. I mean, he would have been well, he would be thrown out of most churches today. But he was questioning authority. You know, he was shaking things up. He was, you know, look at the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, and they were not happy with his doctrine because we're not very popular when we preach on repentance, preach on sin, preach on sodomy, and how God finds an abomination. Now, you were in a really interesting interview where the fellow interviewing, it was a major TV network, and he was getting right, well, not only was he exceptionally rude and just really arrogant. But also, I found it hilarious that you had to correct him. He said, well, isn't the very first commandment that thou shall not kill? And you said, actually, it's not. It's thou shall have no other gods before me. Do you remember that interview? Oh, yeah, that was that was hilarious. That that was probably one of my favorite. That was that was my number one favorite TV interview that I've ever done. And you know why that was such a good interview is because it was live. Because I've done so many TV interviews that are pre-recorded, and then what happens is they cut out all the best parts. Right. They cut out all the Bible verses, and they cut out all the parts where they look dumb, and then they just put up a few little clips. You, you know, you'll talk to them for an hour, and you know, thirty seconds of it goes on TV. But that's actually pretty frustrating when they just butcher a clip, and you know you've kind of set some context, and then all of a sudden they just play, you know, the the most horrid part. They string it together, and it's it's just totally out of context. Yeah, exactly. And and so you know when when the whole you know thing was going viral and everything in December, where I was preaching against homosexuality, um, I had a bunch of the local TV stations that wanted to interview me, and I just told them all. I said you know what, I'm only going to do the interviews if they're live this time, you know, because I just, I'm tired of wasting so much time spending 45 minutes so that 45 seconds of the lamest part of the interview go online. So I said, you know, I'm only doing it if it's live. So then they said, okay, yeah, you know, we'll do it live. Come on down. So I went down to the studio, did that, that live five minute interview with that guy. And if anybody wants to watch, they can just go on YouTube and just type, you know, Pastor Anderson live interview. And I've got it linked there today on the website as well. Okay, cool. And so I went down there and did it live. And, you know, it's so easy to just eat these people's lunch when it's live because, you know, they don't have (laughs) all they're doing is just, you know, play the race card or just it's like they just have these scripted things. And it's funny because 
the guy had a teleprompter, the guy that was doing that interview. And, and in fact, I need to do a blog post where I upload the pictures because the guy that was with me, he took pictures of the guy's teleprompter. And here I am, you know, talking about real biblical issues. And this guy's teleprompter is coming up and saying, like, what about blacks? Do you hate black? People? Oh, really? Like, and I told him, I said, my church is filled with black people. I'm not a racist. You know, I love people of all races. You know, we're all the same. But they just throw that out there because they're just programmed. To, you know, you're a racist. You're an anti-Semite. We're talking about homosexuality. What does that have to do with with race? I mean, but but they're starting to group homosexuality as a race. They'll be like, you know, white, black, Asian, homosexual, as if it's a race. It's it's weird. Well, yeah, weird is right. It's always from this bought and paid for lamestream media. These scripted, talking bobbleheads and their teleprompters i can't even think without a teleprompter again it's very clever hegelian dialect it's clever mind control techniques you know words like homophobe transphobe racist and again for discerning christians it's one thing but what i get concerned about pastor anderson is all the young people now that are just in this mind control dystopia they're absolutely i mean look at the school system if that isn't a the public school system is a nightmare i'm a huge proponent of homeschooling and now you have eight children that you homeschool correct Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the only way to go in 2015. I think you have a t-shirt and it says, um, what does it say? Yes, they're all mine and something else. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it had a list of things of like, my wife made the t-shirts, but it said like, no, we're not running a daycare. No, we're not Mormon. Like, no, you know. Yes, (laughs) Yes, they're all our children. (laughs) (laughs) It said like, yes, we know what causes that. Well, you know, it's really interesting. And you touched on this in a recent sermon that you did. You were talking about John MacArthur. Now, what is very stunning to me with these false preachers, heresy knows no bounds here with some of these people. But taking the mark of the beast is okay. It's okay to just sort of spin the Bible any way you slice it. I mean, he has butchered Isaiah 53. Now, you've done a really incredible sermon on Isaiah 53. And I wanted you to talk about why this is such an important chapter. Well, you know, it's an amazing chapter because it's in the Old Testament, and yet it's just all about Jesus. And, it, it, you know, throughout history, it's been one of the favorite chapters of Christians, you know, Isaiah 53, just because it's such a powerful prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he's going to be an offering for our sins and, and how he's going to, you know, pay for our sins on the cross. And it describes in such detail what he's going to do. You know, of course, you have to wonder, you know, are are the Jews blind when they read this? But the Bible says that they are blind because the Bible says that they have the veil over their eyes when they read the Old Testament, but that it says when they turn to Christ, then the veil is removed. So it's really a powerful chapter in the Old Testament. It is very powerful, and it is a very well-done sermon, I have to tell you. Really, really well done. Well, hey, we were just doing fine with the whole blood of the bulls and the blood of the calves, the blood of the sacrificial animals. Hey, we were doing fine. Well, if they were doing fine, then why did Jesus have to come to atone for mankind's sin? If there was any other way, though, seriously, why would he have had to die if, you know, everybody was doing fine, right? Yeah, like if if in the Old Testament, people just went to heaven based off how good they are. It's like, well, then why did Jesus even have to die on the cross? The whole point is 
that salvation is by grace. It's not of works, lest any man should boast, the Bible says. It's really interesting how Isaiah's shadows past, present, and future, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that God knows the end from the beginning. It Really, God dwells outside of time. And so all of human history has already taken place from God's perspective. That's why he can write about the future in the book of Revelation, and it's as if it's already happened. And and I mean, one of the things that's interesting is that, you know, in the book of Revelation, John, when he's caught up to heaven and sees all these future events, after the sun and moon are darkened and, and uh, you know, uh, the rapture takes place, basically, he sees a great multitude of all believers, and it's an innumerable multitude of all nations and all tongues that are up in heaven. And what's interesting, if you think about it, is that we are in that group. So John actually was looking at us, if you think about it. I mean, isn't that a weird thought? Because he looked at that crowd in heaven of all the believers of all the ages up in heaven. And so he was looking at us. So, you know, God dwells outside of time. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. When it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to the cross, when it comes to the blood, that atonement, here's a guy who really messes that up, is John MacArthur. He really minimizes the blood to almost use it as some kind of euphemism, doesn't he? Yeah, and and he came out with this article, you know, back 30 years ago, where he said, that, you know, hey, it's it's not the blood that saves, it's it's just the death of Christ. And whenever the word blood is used in the Bible, hey, it's just talking about the death. It's not really the blood that matters. And he said in this article that the reason that we think it's the blood that saves is because we learned that from hymns. You know, the, the songs that we sing in church, like, are you washed in the blood? There's power in the blood. There is a fountain filled with blood. And he said, oh, you know, you do, you got that from songs. You didn't get that from the Bible. But it's ridiculous because the Bible is filled with references to the saving blood of Jesus Christ and by his stripes we're healed. But John MacArthur is one of these that promotes these modern false Bible versions. And one of the things that these, you know, modern versions such as, you know, the ESV, the NIV, the M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. But anyway, you know, these modern versions will often attack the blood of Christ. They'll, they'll take out phrases about the blood. Like, for example, in Colossians 1.14, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, they'll just take that out to where it just says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and the blood's gone. And then, you know, the ESV which is John MacArthur's perversion of choice, basically will take a lot of references to the blood. And instead of saying, you know, we're washed in the blood or, you know, sprinkled by the blood, it'll take out the word washed and put something else. Because obviously, if what John MacArthur were saying is true and blood just means death, well, you know, you can't be washed in the death, you know, or sprinkling the death. It just doesn't make any sense. But John MacArthur is just an evil false prophet. And people will try to say that that thing about the blood was a misunderstanding. But here we are 30 years later, and he's never apologized and said he was wrong. The only explanation he's given is just, well, here's why I was right to deny the blood. But he did say that the blood does not save us, and he is stuck with that. And recently, he's made these bizarre statements where he said, you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Even though the Bible's real clear that anybody who takes the mark is one who's going to burn in hell forever. So he he makes this just bizarre statement. He doesn't give any Bible to back it up, 
And anybody who wants to can just go on YouTube and just type in, you know, John MacArthur, Mark of the Beast, right? it's going to come up. He just kind of shrugs and said, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I don't see why you can't just take the Mark of the Beast and still be saved. I mean, it's just, it's like, when are people going to stop listening to this guy? It's so weird. Well, and he's got a really big following, which just, it, that's mind numbing to me. <laughs> he has a huge following, but you know what? Look at who else has a huge following. Joel Osteen. Rick Warren. I mean, you know, the world somehow loves a false prophet. And so, you know, these guys have a huge following. Which really does beg the question, why are people going to these men's churches? Because really, because I always say this, Joel Osteen would not be a success if people actually knew the Bible. He holds his Bible up a lot, but he doesn't preach out of it call him Joel, I refuse to preach on Sin Osteen, it's pretty stunning that he will not talk about repentance. And I, I put a challenge out there. I said, you send me where he's talking about sin and repentance, and I'll shut up about the guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a positive only message. He even said in an interview, I don't like to use the word sin. It's hundreds of times that the Bible used the word sin. And, you know, he doesn't, and here's the thing, the word repent means to change or to turn, okay? So he basically doesn't preach that people need to change. You know, it's this, hey, just stay the way you are and everything's great and good sin, good devil, cold hell type of preaching. And and the thing is that God calls every one of us as Christians to change every day. I mean, none of us is perfect and we you know, we all need to change. There there are constantly sins that we need to turn from in our in our Christian lives. But basically, that's not what people want to hear. People want to just keep living their life the way that they're living it. They don't want to be told, "Hey, God wants us to take up the cross every day and follow him." You know, God God wants us to live a, a clean and and godly life. And here's the, when it comes to being saved, you know, the only thing we have to do to be saved is just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith. But after we're saved, you know, God wants us to, to obey him and, to, and to, to change our lives. And, you know, Joel Osteen is just telling people what they want to hear, just all positive and, hey, you know, God just wants to bless you and, and you're doing great. Well, then maybe he should get out of the pulpit because what does Acts 20, 27 say? For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. That's preaching the whole counsel of God. So whether it's Rick Chrislam Warren trying to set up his little one world religion, or if it's this howdy doody in Lakewood, there telling an interviewer, I'm just not really called to preach on sin. Well, I got a newsflash for you, Osteen. Why don't you go read Acts 20, 27? Because really, those preaching any other gospel, let them be accursed, the word says. If they're not preaching the full gospel, they're going to be accursed. And his gospel is just a gospel of, well, I just want to see people come up higher. Because that's what Jesus said, go ye into the kingdom and make sure people come up higher. Yeah, that's not what he said at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, these guys are basically just giving people what they want. And the Bible says that they're teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. I mean, let's face it. Rick Warren, Joel Osteen, these guys are millionaires and they make a ton of money just giving people a product that they want to buy. This is what people want to hear. And the Bible said that in the last days, you know, people would turn away their ears from the truth and they would have itching ears and they would heap unto themselves teachers that, you know, are basically going to tell them what they want to hear. You brought up about Rick Warren and the the Chrislam thing and everything. You know, I did a couple sermons on Islam recently. So, you know, I was doing a little research. 
I mean, you want to talk about a wicked religion. I mean, that Islam is bizarre. Muhammad and and he had all these wives and he's just basically marrying other people's wives and just a total cult leader. I feel a future documentary coming up, Stephen. Yeah, seriously, seriously, it'd be it'd be a good one. This Chrislam thing of hey, you know, Christianity and Islam aren't that different. Let's focus on what we have in common, you know. But then on the other side of that coin, you got the Judeo Christian crowd who says. Hey, look, Judaism and Christianity, we're both worshiping the same God. And, you know, I'm against all of it because, you know, Christianity is the only true religion. And so, you know, we need to stand against both Judaism and Islam. It's it's kind of a false left-right paradigm where either people are kind of like siding with the Jews against the Muslims or they're kind of siding with the Muslims against the Jews. You know, we need to just understand that both Islam and Judaism are, are false religions that deny that Jesus is the Son of God. So, you know, we need to just stick with Bible-believing Christianity and just realize that, you know, no man cometh unto the Father but through him. So, well, according to Oprah, there's many ways to God. Well, that's basically what people are teaching now in preparation for the Antichrist. When, they're, you know, the Bible's clear that all the nations of the world, all the religions of the world are going to rally around the Antichrist. That's why we're seeing the lines blurred. Absolutely. The lines are getting very blurred. And it's amazing how she's always promulgating this idea that, geez, just all old white people should die and then we'll be good. Because look at all these movies she's putting out that get into the race card. Look at the white man did the oppression, the suppression of the black man. Look at the white man did. It's always the same thing. And again, she just says, hey, it's all old white people that really just need to die. And then we'll have a generation of, you know, all these minions that just accept the narrative. And the stunning thing is, that's what Ignis Loyola said, give me the youth and I'll give you the man. So it's, you know, indoctrination. And then you've got these unsavory hedonistic hucksters like good old Jesse the Hack Jackson and Al Charlatan Sharpton, who are playing the race card every day. Oh, look over there. It's racism. And that race card's getting a little old, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's so old. And you know what? Honestly, I think in America, we're really past that. I mean, maybe I, deep in the south of Alabama or something. Yeah, right. In I mean, one little small community. Seriously, in 2015, you would think that this would be a non-issue. And I, you know, I can say right now, you know, at, at our church in Tempe, Arizona, Faithful Word Baptist Church, we have about 150 to 175 people show up on a Sunday morning here. And if you look around, you know, you'll see people of literally just all nationalities. I mean, we have Native Americans, we have blacks, we have Asians, Hispanics. I mean, you name it. You know, and the Bible says that God's house should be a house of prayer for all nations. And so race isn't even an issue here. And and most people that you talk to aren't really that hung up about it. But it's just, you know, these politicians and people on TV that just, it's like they want to keep that animosity going. And they want to bring up grievances from like 100 years ago or 200 years ago. You know, let's just let it go. Because let's face it, no white people today enslaved any of the black people of today. Let's just face it. Absolutely. You know, you can't sit there and talk about something that happened in the 1700s or 1800s and then blame people who are living today. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's not the same people. Well, you know? and as pointed out in your New World Order Bible translations, this is the problem. And this is the most stunning problem. And this problem needs to be addressed that the 
word of God is being diluted and watered down and dumbed down. And there really is a famine in the land for the true word of God. So, of course, you get into a lot of confusion, a lot of, well, you know, I think I'm going to go with this side because it sounds good. But what is the Bible saying? I always encourage people to stack everything against what the word says, but people are too busy being politically correct and let's not offend anybody. Of course, you throw in the mix, you've got these motivational seminars and the name it and claim it and live your best life now and every day is a Friday. So you just mentioned being in the end times. What's coming? People are not going to be prepared. I mean, we already see the largest surveillance state ever. We've got Jade Helm, you know, looming. We've got the largest draconian police state and it's tightening his grip. We're expeditiously really morphing into the Fourth Reich and subverting the Constitution, ramping up the global governance. And the thing that disturbs me, Stephen, is how we are mock speeding into the cashless society. Last week, London bankers announced they want everything to be electronic. And as the economy is collapsing and as technology advances into this weird, crazy human 2.0 transhumanism, we're really kind of being set up to take the mark. And yet the mainstream churches in what I call a cotton candy coma. We're in a lot of trouble here in the West, aren't we? Absolutely. And, and you, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's people aren't reading the Bible. You know, I mean, people need to get a King James Bible and they need to read it. And then they're not going to be deceived by the false teachers, the Joel Osteens, the Rick Warrens. I mean, if they would just get a Bible and read it and know what it says. And you know what? We need Bible preaching also where men of God will get up and, and explain things and teach things and, and make them relevant to the day that we live in. And then we also need people to go home and search the scriptures daily, whether these things are so. So, you know, we need Bible reading Christians and we need pastors that will get up and apply the Bible to the current events and to the day in which we live. That's the purpose of preaching is to to bring it to the level of, okay, this is what we're dealing with in 2015. Here's how the Bible applies. Well, one of the things I want to ask you, because, you know, we are to love our brothers. The Bible is very clear on love. But I think the problem is we live in this sort of greasy grace, love, 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 just embrace the homosexuals. Now, of course, I think we have to draw a distinctive line here. People say, well, Sheila hates homosexuals and sounds like she wants to kill them all. It's very important to draw a line in the sand of what we're going to tolerate. We've got judges that are going to make a massive ruling here. You've got Bruce Jenner out there, this whole new culture of transgender. I think it's really important to explain to people how God feels about sodomy. Let's call it what it is. These sodomites are just absolutely abhorrent. And yet, all these Christians always say, well, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. There's always that love the sinner, hate the sin mantra, isn't there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing about that. You know, when I was a teenager, okay, I was, I was, you know, tolerant of homosexuals in the sense that I thought like, oh, well, you know, it's a sin, it's wicked, but... You know, I didn't really make a big deal out of it because the thing is, it wasn't really a big issue back then. I'd never even met one in my life, okay? And so I didn't have these attitudes of just being, you know, quote-unquote hateful toward homosexuals. I just didn't really have real super strong feelings about it. But it was through reading the Bible that I realized what these people are really like. And, you know, the Bible warns about how they're very violent predators and, and you know— 
I just encourage people to, to read the scriptures and see for themselves. And I, and I did a just kind of a, a little miniature documentary on it that's on YouTube. Where I called it AIDS, the Judgment of God. And I go through and show all the scriptures and everything like that. And, and so honestly, a lot of people don't understand the fact that the Bible teaches love and that obviously love is a major message of the Bible and God is love, etc. But here's the thing. That's not the only thing that God is, and that's not the only thing that the Bible teaches. And the Bible even flat out says there's a time to love and a time to hate. But yet hate has become a bad word today. Like, oh, don't hate. You should never hate anyone. But here's the thing, Sheila. If we be honest, we know that every single person has things in people that they hate. You know, it's just that some <laughs> people, don't want, people just don't want to admit that they hate. Because I guarantee you that a lot of these people hate me. A lot of these people who are saying... Oh man, we should never hate anybody. I guarantee you a huge portion of them hate me in their hearts. And then their one scripture they always, of course, yeah, like they really know the Bible scripture anyway, but the one they always love is, hey, you're not supposed to judge. Right, yeah, but they don't read the context because if you read the context of that passage, he says, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And then he says... Don't look at the the moat that is in your brother's eye and you don't consider the beam that's in your own eye. But at the end of the passage, he says, first remove the beam out of your own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. So the Bible's not saying just, hey, don't judge. He's saying, first get the beam out of your own eye so that you can judge properly if you actually read all five verses there. Well, it's kind of like an alcoholic saying, hey, you shouldn't drink. Exactly. He's he's speaking against hypocrisy is what he's talking about there. He's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't judge other people for things that you yourself are guilty of, or, or maybe you're guilty of something worse, and then you're judging people for the tiniest thing, which some people do have a tendency to do. But in fact, the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner, is actually a quote from Gandhi, you know, who was a Hindu and who actually spoke against Christianity. So here's a guy who spoke against Christianity and said, hey, hate the sin, love the sinner. But yet people will take that phrase as scripture, as if it's in the Bible, when in fact the Bible does teach that there are people that we should hate. You know, And I'm not saying we should hate you know, unsaved people or sinners or anything, but when it comes to like violent predators, you know, I mean, I do hate pedophiles. I'm sorry, but somebody who molests children, I hate them. Sorry, you know what I mean? It's like, but, but, but now the diagnostic <laughs> service manual for psychologists and psychiatrists said, you know what, pedophilia is just, it's just a preference. Did you ever think that you would see the day when not only was it acceptable to have two 13 year old boys kissing on live international television, but then you should also bow down to the goddess Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, these tweets from these liberals, ultimate goddess on the planet, we should just bow down to this brave, heroic Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, I walked into a Vancouver hotel and I, my head almost spun around when I saw there was a man on the sign, a woman next to the man, and a third character had half a skirt and one leg. I went over to the, the lobby and I went to the front desk clerk and I said, what is that? Oh, that's our new transgender bathroom. And I thought I was in a bad episode of The Twilight Zone. And where was this? Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. 
Wow, unbelievable. And apparently now, since I was talking about that, somebody sent me a picture of a San Francisco bathroom that apparently Glenn Beck went into a restaurant in San Francisco, and it was the same sign. So interesting. Unbelievable. Wow. So, I mean, you've got, like I said, you've got Bruce Jenner out there and you've got all this. It's just a very disturbing trend. And yet it's slowly like that frog is acclimated to the boiling water. We've got to understand these people are born that way, right? Yeah, you know, and that's been proven scientifically even to be false. You know, even the president of Uganda, you know, who come under fire because he was making homosexuality illegal. Which, by the way, homosexuality is illegal in 79 countries. Yes, it is. So it's not just, you know, some radical idea that it should be illegal. Even to this minute, it's illegal in 79 countries. But now the United States has a special envoy, a special ambassador, whose whole goal is to promote sodomy throughout the world. I mean, imagine that, that, that you know, a full-time worker of our government. And, you know, you talk about pedophilia being next. You know, in Europe, it's already there. I mean, in some of these countries in Europe, they keep lowering the age of consent to 16 to 13. And they, you know, they get the age of consent down lower and lower, 12 years old, whatever, you know, as low as they can get it without freaking people out too much. And then basically you can have a 52 year old man, you know, committing, you know, wickedness with a child and it's totally legal. And look, these people, the Bible describes the homosexual agenda in Romans 1. It says that they are implacable. And that word implacable means that they're never satisfied. So, you know, when they get the right to be able to get married, that's not going to be enough for them. They'll keep pushing it until there's mandatory homosexuality training in schools for elementary kids. They will never stop. They will keep pushing it further They'll get pedophilia legal. They'll get pedophilia mandatory in schools. I mean, honestly, these people will never stop. Well, and I really think at some point, at some time in their life, whether it was a generational curse, these people were demonically oppressed because I've actually, you know, we go out and do healing deliverance and I've prayed over people and broken off something and they're good. So I don't believe that this is just, oh, they're born that way. There's been a lot of genetic studies in twins that show that's not true. So, you know, but, but at what point, Stephen, did God give these people also over to a reprobate mind? Well, you know, obviously, it, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly, you know, what's going on in people's lives spiritually at, at what point people get turned over to a reprobate mind. But, you know, I just encourage people to read Romans 1 because he gives the progression there of how people's hearts get hardened and darkened and how they rebel against the Lord and how eventually they do get turned over to a reprobate mind where they, they will actually, you know, men will lust after other men. And, and, and women will lust after other women, which is just, it's frankly, it's just not normal. I mean, I'm a red-blooded man and, you know, I have temptations just like any other man would have temptations, you know, when you see the bikini babe or when you see, you know, women that are scantily clad. You know, as a man, that's something where you have to make an effort and say, hey, I'm not going to look at that. You know, I, I want to keep my mind pure and, you know, to only look at our wife in that way. That's what God demands of us, okay? So there's a temptation for all of us to lie at times, to steal at times, you know, to to think a, a covetous thought or a lustful thought. But we as men that are normal, we don't struggle with, oh, I better be careful that I don't look at some dude because honestly, it's just not on our radar. <laughs> 
even just your normal non-Christian guy who's an atheist, you know, isn't <laughs> lusting after other men. And it doesn't even have anything to do with being a Christian. You know what I mean? It's just not normal. I mean, men lust after women. <laughs> well, and I think it's really important for women to be chaste and to be respectful and modest and dressing appropriately. I mean, there's just... I mean, it is anything goes inside. And now you can this feminist movement, you can wear whatever you want, just, you know, blatant. There's a, there's a standard. You don't have to be dressed like a hooker. You know, if women are dressed really inappropriately and come on, we all get what's appropriate dress and what's inappropriate. There is definitely something to be said for being modest in your appearance. And I, I'm not talking about a photo op picture either, because I've had pictures done by, you know, these marketing people, and they're like, oh, vigilante, you want to look a certain way. So, I mean, it's like, get over it, people. You know, I think that a person just should have some common sense, modesty, decency, and, and dress accordingly. You don't have to be everything put out there. And I just think it's really inappropriate when women are dressed like streetwalkers. I think that's absolutely not okay. And it's very inappropriate. And there's something to be said for modesty. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we as we get into summertime, you know, it's when the clothes really start coming off, especially, you know, in Phoenix, Arizona, because it's so hot here. But you know what's what's you know my wife because a lot of people again will you know mock and attack you when you when you try to stand up for just having some decency and modesty. But for example, you know my wife and daughters when they go swimming because you know we love to go swimming because we live in Arizona it's it's a really hot place and swimming is great in summer. They actually wear swim dresses and they don't look weird at all. Like you know I don't believe in wearing you know, clothes from the 1800s to try to show how holy you are or something. The Amish, they, you know, they're drawing attention to themselves. I mean, the way that my wife and daughters dress, they dress very stylish. They look classy, but they're not, you know, dressing in a way that's immodest or inappropriate. So they wear these swim dresses. My wife actually, she actually sells uh, sewing patterns for them. And, and this, she just started a thing where she saw them. It's called Cute and Covered. Cuteandcovered.com. I think that's a wonderful idea to really start, you know, looking at this fact that stylish doesn't have to be slutty. I'm going to use that word. Right. Yeah. And you know what? When my wife and daughters go down to, you know, a swimming pool or to the lake, they always get compliments for how cool these swim dresses look because they're really stylish. Like you could wear these swim dresses like you could walk into a, a grocery store in it you know, with a pair of sandals and wearing this swim dress and you'd still look just as cool, you know, but it's just our culture has kind of a double standard because the men in our culture, you know, we wear swim trunks that, you know, the average man, when he goes to the, to go swimming, wears swim trunks that go down to his knee, you know, and, and is, is not looking half naked. Whereas, you know, when women go to the beach, it's like they totally strip down to almost nothing. And these these swim dresses are a nice alternative to where they can still look stylish and go swimming. And, you know, they're made out of like a swimsuit material so that they're still good for swimming. But at the same time, you know, they're keeping themselves modest and not just showing it all off to the world. So, you know, I think those are great. 
there there really has to be some common sense applied there too. Just I just think in society now, common sense is just absolutely gone out the window. Now you have been in a really interesting. Speaking of Phoenix, you've been in a very interesting article. Now one of the things that caught my attention in a very popular magazine. What stunned me was the depiction of you as a devil. That was really quite interesting. But yet the article isn't really conducive to the picture. Uh, Explain to the listeners what the story is about. Yeah, it's so weird. The, The guy from Phoenix Magazine contacted me. And he said that they wanted to, you know, kind of step back from the controversy and just kind of profile um, me as a pastor and profile our church because he said, you know, hey, your church is internationally known. And, and you know, so we want to give people a, a view of kind of inside the church, what you guys are really like. So he actually, the, the guy who wrote the article, he visited our church a few times. He actually visited our home. And he interviewed like everybody I've ever known. I mean, he was like calling people. Oh, wow. He was literally, because this is a big magazine, so they spend a lot of money, you know? So he was uh, interviewing everybody I'd ever known, like people from my childhood. And then they did a big photo shoot. They they took a bunch of really high quality photos. So when the when the magazine came out, I see this picture that they drew of me. And like you said, I mean, this picture makes me look demonic or something. You know, it's really weird. (laughs) So when I first saw the pictures, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a really negative article because they have this demonic looking picture that they drew of me. It's like a it's like a drawing that somebody did that makes me look like I'm some dark ages demon. And then, you know, if you look at the the title on the cover, it sounds real inflammatory. They're comparing us to Westboro Baptist and all this nonsense. But then it's funny because when I read the article, the article is actually very positive. There's almost nothing negative in the whole article. And it's a big, giant article in the magazine, and it's very positive. But I think there's a disconnect because I think the guy who wrote the article, who actually visited our church, visited our home, he really liked us. He even professed faith in in Jesus Christ as a Savior. I think he really liked us. But I think that, you know, the, the drawing was drawn by somebody else and the headlines are by someone else, basically. So there's kind of a disconnect between the text of the article and the pictures. But I'm really happy about this article. Like, I, I think that, you know, this is going to be great for people in the Phoenix area to, to read about our church because I, I think he gives a pretty fair view of our church. Because, you know, people, they get a real extreme view just from the sound bites on the news and everything. They don't get the context. And I think when somebody actually shows up to our church and sees what we're actually really like, they see like, oh, wow, these are actually normal people and what they believe is actually biblical, you know? Well, and speaking of biblical, speaking of the Bible, King James Version is, of course, my favorite. I talk about it all the time. I think people have to be very careful about their versions. But one of the things I really want to talk about in the in the waning moments is this new restoration project, this Bible restoration project you're working on that I think is so important. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, well, th- you know, thanks for asking me about that. It's a, this is a project that I really care about. Because, um, you know, I speak several foreign languages. I've always been um, really into linguistics and things like that. And there are a lot of countries in the world that I notice that the only Bibles that are really being promoted or, or that are in print or easy to buy at a bookstore are these modern corrupted versions, you know, similar to like an NIV in English. I, I couldn't believe it because I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, all these new versions have only come out like in the last century. You know, before that, everybody was King James. So I'm like, where are the, you know, the King James style Bibles in other languages? They have to be out there. You know, what did Christians use before the modern stuff? And I, and I found out that a lot of these countries have had great Bible translations in the past, but they've just gone out of print. And, and the one that we're working on right now, the next one that we're going to be releasing is going to be in Swedish. Because, you know, the Swedish Bibles that they're selling now are all corrupted. But then look at the state of Sweden, spiritually. You know, yeah. if you look at Sweden, it's, it's just atheism and, and just whenever you see a story in the news about, hey, they're teaching pedophilia to kindergartners or something, you know, it's always like Sweden, Norway, yeah. you know. And it's like, what's wrong with this, this part of the world? Well, here's the answer. They don't have the word of God. So, you know, we went back and did some digging. And we found that if you go back to 1873, which is really not that long ago, you go back to 1873 and they've got a Bible that's pretty much just like the King James Version. So what we're doing is we're taking these old out-of-print Bibles and we're bringing them back. So that's we're wonderful. How can people get behind that project? Well, if they go to framingtheworld.com, that's the company that, that produces the documentaries for us. But framingtheworld.com and uh, the, the restoration project is there. You know, we're going to be printing some great uh, Spanish New Testaments in the next couple weeks. And then the Swedish New Testaments are going to come out in about a month. In my mind, I'm just wondering, why did these things go out of print, do you think? Well, it's just that in a lot of these places, you know, the, the churches were not doing the evangelizing. You know, like like in America, we have a lot of great, you know, uh, Baptist churches, for example, that that knock a lot of doors and preach the gospel and pass out, you know, thousands of New Testaments. and everything. You know, the, the reason that the King James Bible is never going to go out of print is because it's being used. You know, people are using it to preach and to and to to win souls to Jesus Christ and everything like that. Whereas in some of these countries, you know, the Muslims took over in certain countries or, you know, the Buddhists took over and just, you know, there are just so few Christians anymore or the Christians left and went somewhere else that, you know, these these Bibles are going out of print because the Christians that are left have been hoodwinked into these modern versions. But look, the fruit is there, okay? Because if you look at the spiritual condition of Sweden, I don't think any Christian would argue that Sweden is in a good condition spiritually. But yet some of them have just not put two and two together that it's because they don't have the, the the right Bible. You know what I mean? And when you when you throw out the right Bible and get these modernized corruptions in there, you know, the country suffers spiritually. In America, we can see the fruit of these modern versions. We can see the fruit of the NIV when you see how, you know, Christians have gotten so soft and watered down spiritually. Well, it has to do with the Bible version because if you look at the churches that are really preaching the hellfire and damnation, they're using the King James. Does it surprise you that America's largest Christian bookstore chain just a couple months ago filed for bankruptcy, the FCS? Yeah, I didn't hear I didn't hear about that. But, you know, a lot of Christians are just trying to have it both ways. It's like they want to please the world and try to also be Christian. And, you know, we need to just realize, look, there's only one person to please. That's God. Let's just stop caring what people think about us and let's just preach the word of God. And if the King James offends people, well, you know what? Let the chips fall where they may. It's the truth. It's the word of God. And so I'm excited about this project. We're, we're actually getting old antique Bibles, you know, and uh, for example, the Hindi language, you know, Hindi is the Indian language spoken by 400 and some million people in India. Yes. 
And, you know, the main version that people are using in, in India now is called the easy to read version. It's this really dumbed down version and it, it makes all the same corruptions that the NIV makes. So, you know, we're going back to the late 1800s again and we're buying antique Bibles. We're scanning them, you know, and then we're using computer technology to turn these scans into text and then reprint these things. We And thank God he's blessed us with some expert computer programmers in our church who are actually professional computer programmers and they're mm -hmm. actually helping create special software that will take the words from the pages of these old books it's called OCR and they're they're taking the the words from the pages of these old books and and producing accurate um, scans of them and pulling the text and then you know and then obviously they have to be proofread by a human being but you know what we're we're doing this we're going to try to put out you know one one new testament a month if we can you know, to, to, to bring these things back. And then we're going to be shipping them all over the world so that they can be distributed to the churches and the Christians over there. Get them, get them on the, the true word of God and not on these modernized, uh, you know, you know, instead of a two edged sword, many of these people are using a butter knife. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's like they took God's word and softened it. And, you know, we don't need to go soft. We need the word in its, in its original form. Well, and when you get in a society where they're using the Queen James Bible, you've got a problem when they're taking it, you know, making it very gender neutral. It is stunning what is happening to the Word of God, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, the NIV itself, which is the most popular of these modern versions, the, the 1984 edition is what everybody's been using all these years. But the NIV just went un, went through a major change in 2010. And if you ask the editors of the NIV, you know, hey, what was the big change in 2010? They'll tell you the biggest change was to make it gender neutral. And now if you go to the bookstore, they're not selling the 1984 NIV. Now they're selling the 2010 gender neutral NIV. So people need to wake up and realize, hey, God's word doesn't change. And God's word is not a gender neutral book. Get over it. They're removing the word sodomy and lightening the wording, and they're making it these sort of dumbed down, nicer wording, right? Yeah, they'll they'll take out hell and change it to you know Hades or something. You know, it's people which kind of has people scratching their head like Hades. What are you talking about? You know, and and supposedly that's easier to understand. You know, when I walk down the street, everybody knows what hell means. I've never met a person yet who didn't know what hell is. You know, who's an adult living in the United States, but yet. You know, they use these words Hades and Gehenna. They don't have the same punch. They don't have the same power. They take out the word sodomite and turn it into male prostitute. So basically, you know, it becomes okay to do it. Just don't sell it at that point. Right. You know what I mean? And then basically they'll go in and take out words like damnation or fire and brimstone. Those are all gone from the modern versions and, and softened up to make the Bible more politically correct. And then they'll go so far to go gender neutral, it's weird. Like, for example, there's a real famous verse in Micah where it says, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. Right. But it's funny, in these new versions, they'll change it to like, he hath showed thee, O human one. <laughs> like, what in the world? Like, I mean, it sounds like garbage. Some of these new Bibles, they almost sound like they just threw it into Google Translate or something. Hello, human. Yeah, hello, human one. It's like they've removed all the poetry and all the, the glory from God's word, making it sound stupid. Oh, human? 
<laughs> it's kind of like this, oh, you have your own Siri, Apple, iOS, Bible version, your intelligent personal assistant, these knowledge navigators that help us, the brain machine interfacing. Hello, human. <laughs> But, but they're doing it because the thing that they care about the most is being gender neutral and not offending people. So they'll make it sound like crap, you know, but, but that's okay as long as we're gender neutral. Well, and of course, one of the things that always boiled my blood is they take out the scripture, this one go, but not by prayer and fasting. They've yeah. removed a lot of that stuff in the NIV. And you and I have talked yeah. about 16 major paragraphs removed and a lot of wording is removed. And I think that's absolutely abhorrent. And I think people need to make some noise about this. And, and in fact, I went into, I was in the tri-states down in Idaho in the fall and I walked into a Christian bookstore because, of course, you know, I live in a city that's a little over 100,000. Of course, there's 17 yoga studios and 55 porn stores, but there's no Christian bookstore. They shut that wow. down. And one of the things I was stunned at is I was I was on this trip and I made a point to stop in each Christian bookstore along the way and talk to the owner. Like I went right to the Bibles, tried to find a King James, nowhere to be found. They said, oh, we can order them in. And I thought, are you kidding me? As soon as you walk in the store, the b biggest Christian bookstore in the in the tri-states, the massive display, and of course, it's all this 2010 NIV you're talking about, and you have to go to the back corner and dig way down, and you might be lucky to find one King James, but other than that, they order it in. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, we went to a we were we went to a bunch of Christian bookstores when we were making the film New World Order Bible versions. And we asked this girl about it and she said, literally, she said, well, the only reason we have the King James is because we have to. She said it's for old people. <laughs> you know, she, said, like, you know, she said sometimes old people come in and ask for it. So that's why we have to carry it, you know, but you're not going to have any problem finding the Joel Osteen books or the Joyce Meyer books or the, you know, those are going to be front and center, you know. <laughs> well, because every day is a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> We know the Christian bookstores and these Christian publishers, they're owned by the same people who are basically, you know, publishing all the, the filth of the world also. You know, they're, a big yeah, one. they're they're owned by the same Rupert Murdoch's and the same, you know, News Corp. And the, all these companies are owned by these big corporations. But you know what? Honestly, thank God for the Internet that, that basically – you can go on the internet and buy a King James Bible. You can buy whatever great materials or documentaries or books that are that are legit. And I think that's why these businesses are going out of business because the internet. You know, you can go on Amazon and get what you actually want, and not just go to some Christian bookstore where they're just going to only display the stuff that that they want to promote. Absolutely, and you have done a fantastic job on your New World Order Bible versions. I strongly recommend people get that. And also to go on your live stream on Sundays, you've got all your information linked there. And I suggest if people don't have a church or if they want to check out your sermons, which I highly recommend, then they can also go to your live stream. Your live stream information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Stephen, it is always a pleasure and it's always a lot of fun to have you on the program and I really appreciate you stopping by today. And do please come back and see us soon. Absolutely, anytime. Folks, that was Pastor Stephen Anderson. His information is there at 
weekendvigilante.com and don't forget to check out framingtheworld.com and if you have not seen these incredible documentaries groundbreaking documentaries really get yourself a copy of them and give them out to people in your neighborhood your friends your family your church congregants i highly recommend supporting work like this it's very important and please do get behind this bible restoration project folks thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight pastor david langford will be joining us tomorrow it's going to be a great show don't miss it folks thanks so much for tuning into the broadcast good night and god bless